Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to another exciting edition of the Pointless Exercise Podcast. Uh, it's one of those podcasts where I just have one of my friends on, and I interview him, and we talk about stuff. So with me tonight is um, the second arrangement, tsa.substack.com's very own Kelly Dwyer. Kelly, how are you? I'm doing great, Andy. Thanks for having me on. So you can subscribe to Kelly's newsletter by going to tsa.substack.com, which I just said. You can also subscribe to mine at pointlessexercise.com, or you can sign up for this here podcast, although if you found it, you're probably in good shape, at discipio.com. So there you go. So I was telling you right before we started that I I have an idea for the Bulls. How to stop the injury rash. This would just be going forward. I can't do anything about the guys that have already gotten hurt. Okay. But from now on, when you sign with the Bulls, you go in, and they give you your stuff. They give you your, you get what? You probably get a couple of pairs of sweatpants, and you get a, you get a t-shirt. And uh, then they say, all right, all we need to do is sign here, and please just give us your meniscus. <laughs> You're not going to need it. You're going to tear it at some point. They're going to take it out. Well, how about we just preemptively... You know, uh, just take it. A little bone on bone yeah. never hurt anybody. No. No. Tim Hardaway's going to make nearly the Hall of Fame with a bone on bone condition. Right. Don't you want to be Hall of Very Good Players with knuckleball jump shots and, and, and giant mustaches and, and uh, a Bugs Life tattoo like Tim Hardaway? Yeah. Yeah. That's no, that's a good idea. Just hand over the meniscus. I'm Alex. We knew you don't have one to give over. <laughs> right. So that's 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 fine with you. You know, you. You left it on the squash court somewhere in Tallahassee or wherever he's from. But, uh, you know, the rest of you guys that can get rim, let's let's uh, ante over. I'm 60% positive that Easy Ed McCauley, born without menisci. <laughs> there you go. Do you think you're getting an Ed McCauley reference in this one? I like, uh, he was an Illini legend, to... I believe. Was he really? I think so. I always assumed everyone who played pro in college basketball from the 1950s and 40s was either going to NYU or St. John's or St. John's of New York University. Uh, I, my favorite part about Easy Ed, uh, because he was born 100 years before any of wow. us, uh, 
is uh, David Stern used to say, oh, I used to watch my poor Easy Ed McCauley go up against the mighty Bill Russell Celtics all the time, and it was it was such rough going for Easy Ed. He remained my favorite player, and David Halberstam looked that up. He's like, well, you would have been three, and he only played him once. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even have the internet. I'm looking this up. I was wrong. Ed McCauley was a billiken. Oh, wow. He's from St. Louis. Wow. He went to okay. He so went racist. to St. Louis University High School, and apparently thought then he just had to go to St. Louis University. You got to go to SLU. So, and he was a territorial yeah. pick of the Hawks, and then he played for the Celtics. So there you go. For those, I don't know why I rem- I know Ed McCauley from something. So there you go. I mean, you never forget a Billiken. Was gonna make that yeah. joke about Dolph Shays. Decided Ed McCauley was funnier. Well, Dolph Shays had a right? toupee. <laughs> so, but then Easy Ed decided to say, stay in St. Louis, the, the the fetid swamp of the 1940s that it was. And uh, uh, yeah, you know what? He deserved Bill Russell, even if they only met for like two quarters. They could use him, though. The Bulls could absolutely use him. Because, uh, I mean... It's pretty much easy ed on the paint for them these days. It's, with uh, he's six eight, old Nicky Vooch, old Nicky Vooch and his five foot eight arms. Let's see here, Ed McCauley. Uh, he's not he's dead. not six eight now. He's not dead. Okay, he's All a right. he's a spry eighty three and three quarters. <laughs> so not I, now again. Again, I think it's worth a shot. I mean, once we get him on a canvas low tops, he might, he might, you know, perk up a bit. <laughs> That's right. Oh my! I really wish I had a meniscus. And this, these shoes are so soft. Once we show him that he doesn't have to play in a trapezoidal paint anymore, triangle. <laughs> no, Easy Ed. Yeah, they they traded him back to St. Louis for a bunch of picks that basically built up the Celtics dynasty for Bill Russell because St. Louis is like, yeah, we don't want an Afro-American in these here parts. We can't handle that. So we're gonna, yeah, Easy Ed McCauley. That that sounds like the whitest name I've ever heard. We'll 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 take him back certainly. And they did, and they 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 took it back. To this day, they're taking it back. Yeah. I think they're probably on right now, losing by forty. Ed McCauley and Cliff Hagen for Bill Russell. Oh, oh. Cliff Hagen, running jump hook. I do know that, and uh, played in the ABA and got gotten a lot of fights. What do you think Cliff Hagen's nickname was? <laughs> oh God, according to Basketball Reference, yeah, probably like you know the the Hagstrom effect or some nickname that no one ever called him. Lil Abner. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like they divided the class up into Little Abner. Okay, you're, we got six little Abners, we got, uh, you know, six D- Duke and Duchess of uh, Haberstrom's, and we got, you know, they just, like, fill them out with random uh, little rascal names. Yeah. Not little rascal, our gang names. Yeah, Goofus and just Gallant. Just Yeah, we got a bunch. And, Goofus and Gallant from... Uh, I got I got 40% Goofuses in my class this that, year. What was that magazine called? Um, highlights. Highlights, yep. There are 12 things wrong with this picture. One of them was always, like, a... Horse upside down on a tree. <laughs> well, you know, it depends on how you were raised, but sure. Sure. <laughs> yeah. I, the yeah, best they part about highlights the horse. <laughs> is Again. How they, uh, I only read it. I mean, I'm sure I had a subscription to it at some point, but like, uh, like it was, I only usually read it in the dentist's office as a kid. <laughs> so you were going through it with this, like, 
dread on the back of your neck. Yeah. Yeah, How many cavities am I going to have? And it's trying to talk to me about, you know, Goofus always uses the nonstick spray before he helps his mother with the cookies and Gallant just throws him right on the baking sheet. And also you, you don't brush your teeth enough, Kelly. You just don't brush your teeth (laughs) enough. Sure. You can never afford candy. And that's the eighties. And the dad only buys grape nuts, but still you don't brush your teeth enough. (sighs) I also remember Jerry Seinfeld poster in the, dentist in the 90s taunting me for having him having perfect teeth it's like your show isn't even in syndication yet how did you get a poster telling telling america's children to brush their teeth but there jerry bear was 1993 or something touting those uh what amanda pete later called horse teeth what's the deal with non-tartar control toothpaste do you want out of control tartar How's that? How's my Jerry That's Simon? Good. That's pretty good, huh? That's good. Yep. That's not bad. That fan. All right. Well, speaking of tartar control, um, so the Bulls were uh, were really fun there for a while, and then everybody got hurt, and then um, Grayson Allen tried to murder a guy, <laughs> and they just—it's still kind of fun, but you just—you know—there's ennui. Where is the where is the fun team? Is it ever are we ever going to be able to reassemble it? Six to eight weeks. Yeah. Six to eight weeks. You know, for a Chicagoan. You know, for it, it's it'll go by quickly. The sun goes down at two thirty, and uh, you know, but right. before you know it, it's when March. The, whatever it has when to the be, tulips, March twenty fourth. When the tulips come up, so will yes. Lonzo and Alice Caruso. And Alice and Caruso. All will be right and you, you know, they'll be in the best of shape. They'll be in the absolute best of shape because, you know, after you have knee surgery, you can totally run around and you're going to be ready to come back and play an NBA game. It's bad. It's not good. They should have done the meniscus this thing ahead of time, and they yeah. should have noted that Grayson Allen is like that and just shut everyone down against every Milwaukee game to the playoffs. It's very upsetting, and it's very disturbing, and they've gone from 7th to 24th in defense. I don't know how they were 7th. Stealing the ball is not a good defensive tactic in the NBA, but somehow they were making it happen. <sighs> well, they're fun. They're fun, and they beat the right teams. They beat the Cavs. They beat the Knicks. You know, they'll they'll they've 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 won some. They've lost some heartbreakers, and they've won some games they probably shouldn't have. Uh, and Demar Derozan is playing his tail off uh, just to keep them in games. And Zach Levine probably had to come back from a knee injury a week early to get him that win in Oklahoma city, but uh, you know, we'll get, we'll get Jeremy Grant in to, to not fix anything all it ever once. <laughs> I like that. What do you need? The now? headline uh, bulls trying to get Jeremy Grant without giving up Patrick Williams. Hmm. It's like, uh, the, that's just as funny as the headline that said Pistons not trying to trade Jeremy Grant. Yeah. Okay. Okay, guys. Okay. Yeah. You play those cards real, real, real tight. Keep him up to that chest, Detroit. We believe you. No one's trying to trade anything. They would trade him for for just the right to not even have to click on a link about whoever gives him a contract extension, let alone give him a contract extension. I mean, not to go all Bill Simmons on you, but... You're going to have to because he blocked me, so I can't no. read his contract. Yeah, I got, I got blocked. I think we talked about how I, why I got blocked. Oh, that's... <laughs> I mean, Colin Coward. He promoted Colin Coward was going to be on his podcast, and I... Said, look out for douchebag on douchebag crime, and then he he blocked me. Um, 
his solution to everything any team, a whole any team has is, hey, why don't you just get a buyout guy? Just wait for a buyout guy. It's like, okay, well, hopefully if it's two, there's one that you can use, but a lot of times there's not. Ever, ever. It worked once, and it worked for Bill's team, so he remembers yeah. it. They got Sam Cassell and maybe P.J. Brown. And the Bulls could get Paul Millsap, but he's Paul Millsap is six foot four, and you know was a rookie the year Borat came out, and <laughs> I God he might be it may have been a second year player the the year Borat came out. <sighs> he, I don't know I, I don't know if his if he's gonna if he's not getting minutes on the Nets if he's running if they're losing minutes defensively to uh, to disgraced Confederate statue Lamarcus Aldridge I don't think uh, he's gonna be the much of an upkeep for the Bulls but I'd I'd love for it to happen. You know, keep the rookie that that played terribly for four games this year, and and uh, don't trade Kobe White, and and not have to trade for Jeremy Grant, and yeah, that'd be great. Sounds good to me. I mean, they they've played a like a hundred and sixty pound guy at power forward for most of the year, so why not try one that's the size of a, a fire hydrant? Why not? Too small to be a shooting guard, but perfect size for Chicago Bulls power forward. <laughs> Javante Green, who is not that great at defense either. He just works really hard. <clears throat> Excuse me. He, he misses a lot of stuff. But, uh, yeah, it's incredible to have three power forwards go down on a basketball team that is supposed to be in any way competitive. <clears throat> Yet here they are. So are Everyone on the East. So are good. You, good. I was going to say, are you saying that Stacy King could – actually punk Javante Green by when a team was just rolling to the basket unencumbered, then he could yell, hey, there's like, there's five Javante Greens out there. <laughs> I, I, what about David Nwaba? Where is David, where's David Nwaba? Yeah, what what was the one, I was trying to remember the one he had. Not Denzel Valentine, but the, the worst Denzel Valentine. Cameron Bearstow or something. Some <laughs> some late Paxson pick that he was trying to be like, it's Pippin Light, it's Pippin Light, it's mini Pippin. I'm like, this 10th man who managed to pass while being tall. Yeah. Yeah. That's Pippen for you. Stace. He's been, I like the cookies. The cookies are good. I enjoy the cookies from Stacy. Uh, I enjoyed Adam Amin yesterday, uh, who was born in 1986 saying that, uh, Orlando Woolridge, Woolridge and Richie Theus were two of his favorite players growing up. <laughs> well, no. what you didn't know was Adam had a crippling cocaine problem as a child. Okay. So they were they were his idols. Actually, I guarantee he he knows Rich and Theus from the uh, Hang Time. Oh, the show! That's now it. Reggie was did Reggie got replaced by Dick Buckus or Dick Buckus replaced Reggie? Or did he replace Dick Buckus? Oh. I feel like it would be the first one because yeah, it was a basketball show. And you don't build that around a Hall of Fame middle linebacker with no knees. Although same idea, no, I guarantee you, Dick Buckus doesn't have meniscus. He's not missing yeah, any no games because of his meniscus. No way. I'm. 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 Well, okay. Every single. If also, yeah, you're asking him to stand. You don't want to do that. My two dads. He was always at the back of that counter at that 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 deli. What was it like? Some sort of '80s deli that he was in. That Paul Reiser and that other guy and that girl with two dads would go to. Uh, I don't. Yeah, I just imagining him with a clipboard and those knobby knees that had to scare the children. God, yeah, that's that's horrible. Hopefully, it was just track pants the entire time. That still doesn't have any. That's still you still can't say you enjoyed Orlando Woolridge at 
Again, the cocaine must have made him super aware, I guess. If he's a two-year-old and going, boy, I really enjoyed Nets-era Orlando Woolridge. Woolridge. I hope he goes to the Lakers next year, and they don't really like him either. Okay, so Otherwise, uh, Adam's great. Reggie Theus played Coach Bill Fuller in seasons one through three of Hangtime. He was then replaced by Dick Butkus, who played Coach Mike Ketowinski. Uh, oh, only Coach in season Cook four. Camp. Then he was considered a guest star. No, that's all right. I got the wrong line. Yeah, Dick Butkus. Three years, Mike Katowinski. Uh Other notable cast members on Hangtime uh, would be Anthony Anderson and uh, Jay Hernandez. Jay Hernandez uh, was in uh, the movie Friday Night Lights and then some other stuff where he gets shot at a lot, I think. So there you go. Everything you wanted to know. So Dick Buckus had to take over the uh, the, the Mike Golick role. Is it Mike Golick that was on the Say by the Bell, The Next Generation? Where they yes, that's right. When they were in a dorm. So he had to be like a background guy to tie the, the A story and the C story together and come in and then make a dry comment and leave. Okay. Whereas Reggie is out there teaching plays. Real Sacramento Kings plays that he would later take to uh, <laughs> to work for Ron Artest and Bonzi Wells in 2007. <laughs> I missed Hang Time. That's that's a millennial thing. I, I just missed out on that. Getting up at, at 8 a.m. to watch Reggie Fias coach kids. No. no I, I set my alarm. I wasn't going to miss wasn't going to miss it. Uh, yeah, 19. Well, I didn't set my alarm. I was in college. I was out of college. <laughs> what was I watching? Teenage. What was it? Watch a show at Teenage Girls on it. I guess I was watching it. 1995 to 2000. Good coach. I thought it was earlier coaching. than that. I guess not. Yeah, I did it for the. I, actually, I did it for the actual. Uh, uh, I just liked the basketball. I thought they did yeah, it right. I thought they did it right. I thought it was really well well run stuff. Bill Fuller sounds like, okay, we need 10 names that sound like Ken Howard. Who's got the best one? <laughs> Bill Fuller, yeah. Yeah, okay. So much so that by the end of the show, they're like, Bill Fuller, wasn't he the White Shadow? No, that was Ken Howard. Oh, that was Jeb Transom. <laughs> that was that was Trek in Halebow. I'm sorry, Ken Howard's a fine actor. I shouldn't, I shouldn't make fun of his uh, Super 70s name. Yeah. He's one of favorite Stacey King's favorite players growing up, I bet. And Just I, those intro I, shots to the White Shadow where he's like not playing defense and falling to the floor and barely getting the rim. Stacey's like, yeah, I can do that. So you think Ed Howard is better known uh, for playing Thomas Jefferson in the movie 1776 or playing Ed Truck, the the boss before Michael Scott on The Office? I like the Ed Truck one. Yeah, I think Ed Truck. I, I'm not an office. Uh, I haven't seen the repeats, but boy, that was a dark character. <laughs> I remember that being that, that, that one had some uh, some grit to it. So I'm going to go with that. I need to turn this tube amp off. I'll be back in two seconds. That really was two seconds. Good. Very efficient. Ed Truck. So when the when the Bulls were destroyed recently by the Nets, it caused a caused a panic. And of course, we all heard the stat that that was the 16th time 
that Kyrie Irving, James Harden, and Kevin Durant actually played together for the Nets. And it's like, oh, they're together now. And look out in the playoffs. You're not going to be able to beat them. And they still have played 16 times <laughs> together. <laughs> I were watching it going, there's no way they're all going to be healthy. They're just not. That's why they have three of them. Because they really only need two. And uh, they're probably not going to have more than two. So, But when they're there, and they're just traipsing, rolling out of bed to, to beat the Bulls in a 1-4 sweep, yeah. the Bulls take the first game, then the Nets take the next four just to mess with us. But yeah, you're right. They're, they're not seventy-two wins, seventy-four wins is not a, is not a problem for these Nets. They're they're getting they're they're keeping up with the Lakers tonight. But that's uh, you know that's that's not saying much when Russell Westbrook is giving you five turnovers in the first five minutes of a period. Uh, yeah, but I'm still scared of two of them, of two of these Nets. They're still frightening, especially if everyone is going to be you know. God knows what the Bulls going to look like in May, but but uh, yeah, Durant is is just incredible. Well, what size shoe gonna... does Kevin Durant wear? Do you think? Uh, what size shoe do I wear? Bigger than that, fourteen. Okay, so if you think a seven foot tall guy wears fourteen? Okay, let's say he does. If he wore okay, thir- okay. size thirteens, they they beat the Bucks in the in the playoffs last year. Yeah, see, I just, I never thought, I, I, I just always thought he was being a little slack with his game, and that, uh, you know, I, yeah, okay, fine, fine, and they didn't have Harden either, but, but still, I just, I can't, it's just nothing about the Nets has ever been fun. <clears throat> they have that weird gray court, yeah, uh, that looks like when Optimus Prime died, and 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 Harden hates Irving. And probably vice versa. And Harden already wants to be out of there next <laughs> summer. He wants to go to somewhere that isn't Brooklyn, because uh, Brooklyn actually makes you pay off your tabs. Could he and, play? Uh, could James Harden play power forward for the Bulls next year? Yes. Oh okay. God, yes. Right. Oh yeah. There you go. He, he pays more attention than Javante Green. He just doesn't dunk as well as Javante Green. Uh, and uh, Durant is just going to be <laughs> passive aggressive on Twitter. Until uh, until uh, the the other shoe drops with with Kyrie, uh, it's just the weirdest team. And if they back into a championship during all this, I'm just going to be the most upset, the most upset. Yeah, I mean, you know what's bad when they wear the old the Draven the Drazen Petrovic throwbacks, and it's a market improvement in look. That's yeah, that shouldn't happen. Yeah, they wear. <clears throat> you mean they wear? They wear Kmart clothes. They they look like they're outfitted by Champion. They they they, they are awfully basic with the uniforms. Yeah. And he listened to. I was listening to the game before I came on, and it's just they they go on this run to catch up with the the vaunted Lakers and LeBron, and the Nets crowd is just not even into it because it's all Laker fans. It's all Laker fans. There are no Nets fans. It's filled up. It's fun. It's a great place to go see a game, but. Uh, so is Jeremy Grant going to get in the way of that? What did I give him? A size 10 sneaker, size eight sneaker. Is Jeremy Grant going to be the guy that stops him? Is Patrick Williams going to come back after six months on the shelf and, and stop the greatest player to ever play basketball? Is Alex Caruso going to guard Harden and Irving all at once? Convince Irving to get a vaccine, <laughs> pull it all out. I mean, 
With the Bucks, at least they could maybe re-injure Grayson Allen. I just thought of that. Yeah. So it, you know, you, I hope they don't play weird, weird tournament. Uh, you know, let's try to get the sixth seed so we can avoid having to say Woolridge a, a fifth time. And and uh, you know, there's the East is so flat that you just don't really want to miss anyone. It's all just good. <clears throat> In a weird, weird sort of Jimmy Butler and the Heat could win it all again way. Which is why you gotta go. You gotta go for it. You gotta go for it. You got DeMar DeRozan at 39 years old spinning around taking 20 footers. Just push it all in. All in, I say. Could help. Not Kelly Olenek. Don't get Kelly Olenek. I like Larry Nance Jr. That'd be fun. That'd be a lot of fun. They could trade a draft pick back to Portland. They could switch it around. They can do something. Larry Nance's dad used to get 50s in the dunk contest for being able to dunk two balls at once, which toddlers can do, which (laughs) both a friend of the podcast, Andrew Lawrence's baby sons can probably do it once now. But yet that was the 80s. So we're like, ah, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. At least he didn't miss. Uh, but yeah, Larry Nance Jr. would be would be fun. The Bulls had him for a day and a half, and then they dealt him. But uh, you know, it's it's they've been remarkably lucky. Derrick Jones Jr. played his tail off. He was great. Yeah. He was he did everything they asked for. Javante Green is trying hard. Williams is you know eighteen years old still. It feels like they ah, Nance would be good. Nance would be good. I'm worried about Grant. He's going to ask for too many shots. He's not. He's he's the perfect combination of Harvey and Horace Grant, and I don't want that. <laughs> but again, like the back to the DeRozan thing, like you got to do something. You absolutely have to do something. They're not going to be this great next year. I have I love everyone on this team, but it's a win now situation. You absolutely have to go in. It's you know it's time to. I do not want to go down the stretch with Rod Beck as my closer. I want to, I want, I want, I do not want Rick Aguilera. I want them to, I want them to go for the big, big, big time sort of thing. And if it ends up being Jeremy Grant, I'm not upset <clears throat> because maybe they can, you know, it's, it, anything is better than running Javante Green out there and Nikola Vucevic and, uh, and, uh, you know, the hope was Miles Turner, but then he broke his foot. Yeah. And then you could play. Say it with me, Turner and Vooch. Uh, <laughs> oh, that doesn't. But always... that doesn't. That doesn't. I wouldn't. That doesn't turn out well for Vooch at the end. Yo, yeah, but you know, mm. at least we finally have a nickname for him that 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 uh, goes along with his stellar performance. Yeah. <clears throat> but well, what I'm not the, ready to give up on Vooch. What do the Bulls really need out of a power forward? Because it seems like Jeremy protection. Grant is the opposite of everything yeah. that they need. Like they don't need another he, score. They don't need a guy who doesn't want it, who the ball sticks to. They need somebody who can guard other guys and get some rebounds. Yeah. Which he kind of did in Denver, but it's just, there's no market. There's no yeah, but one He's since there. decided he's, you know, he, he's, he's like a scoring champion. Yeah. Got to give me my shots. And he's got a contract extension coming up this summer. Like he wants one. So I say no, but again, like, I don't care. I'm going for broken June. <laughs> like, if I got to deal with Jeremy Grant making 50 million 
a year on my favorite basketball team for the next couple of years just because it turned into that one random year where DeMar DeRozan twirled his way to a championship. I'll, you know, I'll, I'll be okay with it. If I, no matter what Patrick Williams turns into, I'll be absolutely okay with it. I'm, I'm absolutely willing to take a chance on a bad trade that I otherwise would any other year would go. No, why is that? That's a terrible trade. It's a, it's a bad market for the bulls to try to get what they need. And Jeremy Grant is not the answer, but, uh, I don't know. I don't, I don't want Alex Caruso with a broken wrist guarding Giannis anymore. Got to save those legs for his magnificent jump shots that sometimes hit the glass or the side of the rim or underneath the rim. He's not a good shooter is what I'm saying, Alex. He's got a headband though. Who told him to get that? Was it Beasley or Montreal Harrell? Someone he didn't used to have a headband, and then the Lakers convinced them that uh, you sweat a lot and you should. Uh, yeah, there's nothing, nothing to keep it from rolling off the back of your head to the front of your head. So you're gonna need, you're gonna have to wear a diaper, and that's what he does. That's what he should. You go you. full. You just wear a hat. Not even not a headband. Like a just actually wear a hat out on the court. See if that's. I think it's legal, right? What is, is there anything in the rule book to prevent him from wearing like a fedora while he's playing? The, uh, like the, I can't remember his first name, so I'm just going to call him Opie Cunningham. Uh, <laughs> the Ron Howard at the, the, you know, just the various production companies he's got going on or, or, you know, the movie that he's pitching at this particular time. It's just yeah, a little baseball cap with like uh, Apollo 13 on it. That. I mean, there's always a guy out there with a backwards cap on, and you don't know how he keeps it on his head. And uh, so, yeah, it seems right that the NBA should represent that weird bas- baseball cap basketball person at some point. So, and Alex should be the guy that does it. What kind of hat? Doesn't Wesley Snipes in White Man Can't Jump wear, like, the like the oh, bicyclist yeah. hat? that almost looks like the old painter's yeah. hat, with, and the, but the yeah. brim is straight up. Which that'd was be, the coolest hat in the world be for, a, for a couple of years. You should try that. Keeps it's you know it's like a spoiler on a car. It keeps the back end down. You know, got to have that balance. And uh, Scott Scott you know, would fall off a bar stool. He saw that. <laughs> fall down and hit his phone and accidentally call one of his kids for the first time. <laughs> Dad, shit. Ah, uh, uh, what? No, hello. What? You called me. So we're pretty sure, right? The Grayson Allen has never been punched in the face on the court, right? Yes. But, I mean, you look at that guy, how many times has he been punched in the face in his life? It's got to be at least a dozen. It's the most punchable face in the NBA. Yeah. I just, uh, I'd wish these, you know, I I just wish someone else had done it. So I don't get this, like, why does it have to be the bad character every time? Why does it have to be, you know, a David Nwaba? Why can't? David Nwaba have taken Alex Caruso out. That would have been fine. <clears throat> the fact that it's still Grayson Allen bugging all of us. And then it, basically it just kind of reminded all of us that we're just going to be watching Grayson Allen on TNT and ESPN and ABC all the time in, yeah. in May and June now. And everyone hates that. No one wants to look forward to that, let alone uh, knocking out glue guys left and right. <sighs> Punchable, kickable, desertable, you know, in, you know, get in the van drive around, making sure he doesn't know where he's at, leave him somewhere. There's a lot of things that that face has, you know, things things he deserves that have yet to happen in his life. But, uh, 
you know, I don't know. Maybe he's he's stuck in the hell of having to have a podcast for the rest of his life, like JJ Reddick. So maybe that'll be enough uh, karmic. We'll have to have a weird. It just bugs me that he's good, like not great, but he he. There was a chance he was going to be out of the league for a second there in Utah. There was just a chance, like oh, it's not happening. It's just oh, too bad. You're going to have to go to China, but no. He would not Jimmer for debt his way out of the league. It's, it's just couldn't have been Dante DiVincenzo. I mean, that's that's a hard foul, man. That's a what guy did you get for the job? Well, the Ukrainian guy and Dante DiVincenzo. Not Grayson again for the millionth time. But they'll get, I mean, Jeremy Grant, you know, they'll start pushing people around, start mixing it up like his, like his uncle did, you know, just all those old Bulls highlights with Horace just getting in Xavier McDaniel's face and Horace stepping up to Dennis Rodman. Oh, wait, none of that happened ever. No, shoot. Maybe I was thinking of Harvey. Stepping in there for Calvin Chaney. Liddell Eccles. Various other players I have on my wall at the moment. So uh, I'll, make, I'll make a prediction. The, the Bulls, if they trade for Jeremy Grant, first game they decide this would be cool. We found a pair of Horace's goggles. <laughs> Just wear them for like the first few minutes of the game. Crowd will go nuts. They're going to love it. And uh, he ends up with perpetual cockeye. Just like in the jerk. Remember with the opti grab? <laughs> Which have we seen Horace? We have we checked in on Horace? Yeah, he's he got cockeye. We don't know. He's got cockeye for looking for Michael Jordan out to. You know, I mean, Jordan still owes him an open-handed slap or two. I don't, I don't care what happens in that in that documentary. Uh, yeah, I mean, we put the goggles on, and then <clears throat> all of the Chicago United Center reminds itself how much it didn't really like Horace. In the first place, I would just remember and clanging this or getting yelled at by Jordan. Then you look at the box score and you have like 20 points and 12 rebounds and two steals. I'm like, oh, okay, never mind. I'm sorry, Horace. Thank God you passed the ball to Pax and didn't try that feeble layup. Yep, he was he, he did wanted no part of that, none of it. Here, you're 24 feet farther away from the basket than me, you shoot it. <laughs> In the 90s. In the 90s. <clears throat> John Paxson probably had more post-ups than three-pointers that year. That's how bad it was back then. Anti, uh... <laughs> now, I'm shooting for Larry Nance. Miles Turner was, was, a, was a dream. It was a dream, and it's not going to happen. But uh, Larry Nance, Larry Nance Jr., he guards the rim. Portland could want to break it all up. I'm hoping. I'm hoping. But then again, Jeremy Grant, all the jokes. Because he's going to, you know, he's going to break plays. He's going to catch, steal passes that aren't meant for him. He's going to, you know, well, we always thought when we were when we were winning, the ball movement was the key to this. And I just felt like, you know, with the, I'm not, I know not name names, but I just think the ball's not moving as much as, it's like, God, no, no. But again, it'd be for like two months. And then the you know this this weird team that was just put together six months ago can go win a championship and then and then figure out the rest later. 
Like I mean that it could, it could this, it's one of those weird years where the NBA there's 28 teams that are going for a championship right now. And there's like two tanking teams. There's a bunch of crummy teams, but at least, but the crummy teams are like signing Jeremy Grant, signing Kelly Olenek, signing Mason Plumley. So it's, it's just this weird sort of, I, I, I go for it. Just go for it. Who cares? You already gave up 14 draft picks for Nikola Vucevic. Go do go go spend wildly again. Well, the, I mean, look how close the Suns got to winning it last year. So it can happen. Yeah, Suns don't have any losses this year. Or excuse me, don't have double any losses. That's that's pretty good. They don't have double figures, double figured losses yet, which is remarkable. And uh, yeah, they're all just brand new. And Zach Levine's legs, when he doesn't have to do Zach Levine stuff for four quarters and it can just be DeMar bopping around by the end of the game. DeMar gets a bunch of free throws. Ah, I mean, AK, that general manager is on it. They were last in free throws last year by a ton in, in attempts. And uh, he's like, I'm just going to go out and get a bunch of free throw shooters and uh, put Michael Reinsdorf's, uh, you know, if, if Reinsdorf says he wants to make this a basketball city and spend money and there's money to spend fine. Go for it. Go for it. There's the, the bucks can be had. I hate it's a weird, silly thing to say, but they don't have Brooke Lopez. Who's very good defensively. Like they can be beaten. The nets can be beaten. The, uh, the heat, the Sixers, they all have holes. I tell you so many holes, Swiss cheese, all of them. So, uh, yeah, just trade for whomever. I don't care. I think it's a good indication of, of the way basketball used to be played, that they're called free throws. Not not free shots. Free throws. Just throw it at the fucking basket. Just throw it. Here, nobody's going to guard. Just throw it. Because that's all they were doing. They were just throwing things. They weren't shooting. They were throwing. They were, they were on a tightrope. You know, with their life flashing before their eyes, going, I have to stay to the floor and I have to make it from here. And oh, this seems like a Dusselberg. If I tell, if I say so myself, this will be, yeah. <laughs> this is how sharp Eve, uh, Naismith, and the boys were. First, he nailed a peach basket to the wall. And then occasionally a ball would actually go in the peach basket. They'd have to get a ladder out and get the ball out of the basket. Then they came up with the brilliant idea to cut a little hole in the bottom of the basket, and if the ball ended up in the basket, they would punch it out with a stick. It took them like five years to figure out they could just (laughs) cut a basketball-sized hole in the basket and not have to halt play for 20 minutes while some asshole had to figure out how to get the ball back. This is the sport we're talking about. First of all, I've met his great-grandfather, and... uh, you know, I can I can see how that sort of uh, conceptualization might get away from him, might take a while. Plus, it's like the whole point of the game was to stop these these YMCA boys from dry humping each other thirty two <laughs> times a, a January morning. So I I you know maybe he was busy. Maybe he had to you know get the hose on these on, on these uh, these McGillicuddies, these uh, these past and present Cincinnati Reds. And you know what they say, you know, uh, how you, yeah. you know how you separated the men from the boys at the Springfield YMCA <laughs> with a crowbar. Cut a hole in that basket. <laughs> that's why they had to, that's why they get rid of the stick. 
It was it was not being used properly. <laughs> we gotta get rid of this stick. This is sick. Gosh, I mean, really. I'd say it's hazy, but like they all three... seem to be enjoying it. So we're going to have to get rid of the stick. <laughs> they've, they've named it and everything. And really, they're only making like three baskets a game. Yeah. So we're not, you know, well, we can, <coughs> we can get Sven to climb his way up there. I don't, I don't think it's a problem that the Bulls are having. I mean, they also won all those games early on to get this sort of, you know, they're in, they're going to be in for a while. They're not going to fall out of stuff. It's not, they're not going to go cold. <clears throat> None of these guys are going to forget how to start playing basketball. And the Vucevic, you know, I'm still high on him. I still think people can, I'm high on a lot of stuff, but I think Vucevic <laughs> can come out and actually just start being, he, he used to just destroy teams with Orlando. He used to just, without having to break a sweat. And, you know, th- he's got that, again going from in Chicago but like he he it was like effortless with him and he just put up 20 and and uh it's not good with him right now but it, it can't uh, he's like one of those sluggers that your team gets and he was so good with the Padres for so many years and now he's here and it's just like ah I used to watch him go four for five every time and now he can't you know it's it's, it's August and he's still hitting 260 but uh but you know what are you gonna do we're already in on him so 18 draft picks in that in that analogy is he more uh carmelo martinez or phil plantier oh i think way better yeah carmelo martinez was like well i loved carmelo carmelo because i was a kid and harry called him mellow carmelo and then we got traded i was very upset who who had more jumbotron pictures <clears throat> in his life than carmelo martinez you know he'd be a red and a pirate and a yeah, I'm thinking bigger than Carmelo. I'm thinking I'm ah, who am I thinking? He, I don't want to say Mike Davis, but I'm I'm kind of feeling that. God, this guy hit 24 home runs. How? It looks like he can't get down to first base. This this man looks feeble, and he's wearing full eyeglasses on a baseball field, just <laughs> full on ant glasses while playing Major League Baseball. Phil Plant's here. Yeah, I think he had a little more pop. I mean, I need an all-star. I need, I need, I need, I'm trying to, who's a good, who's an all-star you throw around? I'm not, I can't have oh, a Gerald Vaughan. How Carey. about Greg Vaughn? There you go. He's a Padre. He had 50 homers to the Padres, I think. <clears throat> Just sensible. Like the other Giambi. Like, he's, he's one of those. And we got one of those on the Bulls. And that's, that's okay. That's okay. You don't have to be in love with them. They can be uh, Mike Richardson. I had to try to remember that guy's name. Uh, you know, they, they they can have holes, but like no no one else in the NBA is as as a center that can just put up buckets like that, just just in and out like that without having to stop and make it all about them. The Joel Embiid sort of way. Joel Embiid doesn't like slip his way into into buckets, but Vooch can just not have to touch the ball and score. And uh, once that gets going again. And he stops feeling like such a dunce for being screwed up on defense all the time. Now that Jeremy Grant's covering all his angles. <laughs> That's uh, right. That'll, well, that'll fix everything then. That'll, Vooch that'll is really freed look. up now. Yeah. I don't know if your listeners have seen a lot of Piston games this year, but, oh, that guy's just everywhere. Jeremy Everywhere Grant, <laughs> they call him, because we could trade him anywhere. 1993, Phil Plantier, 34 homers, 100 RBIs. Wow. Uh, he had 240. 
And then uh, he played one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. He played parts of uh, six more seasons. And I'm not sure he hit 34 homers combined. Um, Who guess who he finished up with? (laughs) 1997. Uh, the Royals for a fourth time? 1997. He was the St. Louis Cardinal. Was he really? Yeah, if you blinked, you missed him. Um, 129 yeah. at bats. 113. That's at a little rooster guy. That's a lot of at bats. That's a lot of blinking for me. 42 games uh, he played for the uh, 73 and 89 Cardinals. Oh, yeah. That was that was not a team. That was not a team. Is that Tony's first season? Anyway. Tony's first season was the good season in 96 where they rescued Ron Gant and got him for, for Andre Dawson wages and uh, brought in Eckersley and Rick Honeycutt. Like oh, yeah, that was the year they uh, – yeah. so it was 96 his first season? That was the year they had the, yeah. the, the 3-1 lead over the Braves and then they had to try that's, to beat Maddox, Smoltz, and Glavin. That's, that's the one. Yeah. Dimitri Young's big uh, uh, coming out party and then uh, – Ozzie Smith ending his career with several. Well, I mean, most of his career was pop-ups to the to the first base side, uh, weak, uh, you know, feeble pop-ups. But that that's how he went out a couple of times. Well, this is all yeah. making sense now because that year before they played the uh, the Braves in the NLCS, they played the Padres, and uh, Tony oh. was looking around, going, "You know what? We swept the Padres, but if they still had Phil Plantier, we'd have been fucked." So the next year, Walt Jackety goes out and gets him Phil Plantier. I see how it happened. You know, it it works for every every so often they get a big chunk of load in there, and then you know, Larry Walker hits four hundred for two months, and and then the other times it'll be it was it was Phil Plantier. Uh, it was I just forgot that they brought in Rick Honeycutt in nineteen ninety six, forty nine year old Rick Honeycutt to just uh, loop some uh, some screwy ones in there to set up Eck. <laughs> And they made the postseason. It was it was good times. That was you know that was weird. It was that was insane. We were watching as a St. Louis fan. You're like, oh, this is weird. We have Tony Larusa now. That guy from the other teams. That's not that's. So I kind of I don't feel that angsty icky way with the Bulls, but it is still odd that I'm just like, oh, we have a guy from Toronto and we have a guy from Orlando and there's the guy that was on the Lakers last year and Lonzo Ball from the TV with his dad, and they're all on the Bulls. It's, you know, they're, they're not new to me, but while they're still taking everyone by surprise, I really hope they dig in because I, I can't see DeMar doing this forever. Although I want to watch him try. I really do. It is really nice to watch a team that is last in three-point attempts where they're just not flinging it yeah. every so often because they're not good at it. <laughs> like DeMar DeRozan is like, not strong enough to do it. <laughs> he shoots a different shot every time he shoots a three. It's it's like uh, it's like me out there, really. Uh, but go for it. Well, who L- Lonzo? Sorry. No, who was the interim coach when when uh, Billy was out with was it Chris Fleming? I just figured I got his name wrong. I forgot. My that sounds about right. Okay, so like he he said during I watched the one of his post games after the it was it was after I think the second. Demar buzzer beater, the one in uh, where was that? Where was that? That was in uh, Washington. Washington. And Chris claimed he said, "Well, yeah." He said, uh, "He goes, Demar. Um, everybody says he's not a good three point shooter. The reason he's not is because every time he takes one, his foot's on the line." And I thought, I don't think that's 
No, I don't think that's why. No, that's Steve Blake. So when I was a uh, when I was a high school basketball player, we had to watch this uh, Rick Pitino video. Rick would have been at where was he? Kentucky? He might have been at Kentucky by then. I don't. I don't place. think Providence had the uh, A and AV club uh, budget to pull off something that would have made its way to. Yeah, so Kentucky. Well, if it was Providence, Billy Donovan probably would have been in it. Um, but what one thing that I always remembered was. Rick, what what do you think Rick said the worst shot you could take is? Oh, did he say long too? Three point shot with your foot on the line. Oh, okay. He goes, you can't yeah. bother to take one step back, <laughs> a half a step back, <laughs> and get yourself an extra point, then you're a moron. And then I'm sure he talked about guys being uh, uh, multiversal, which is my favorite. <laughs> I forgot about that. What year was that? I mean, doesn't he probably pull it out every draft for all yeah, He did the draft for a couple of years on TNT, and every <clears throat> Jay Billis to this day uh, does not understand <laughs> that people's wingspan, your wingspan is like an inch and a tenth, a, a typical person for every inch of height. So every, the average American has a longer wingspan than they are tall. Yeah. But Jay seems to think that. Any player who has a wingspan <laughs> taller than their height is like this freak. Oh my god, he's six foot eight. He's got a six foot nine wingspan. It's like I gotta tell you, Jay, it probably should be wider than that. But um, Rick got <laughs> you know, they would I'm sure, you know, they're doing the draft, they throw it to you real quick. You gotta have a thought on every player. And it's, you know, some <laughs> some guy who was wearing, you know, green converse from Lithuania and he's like, Well, he's yeah, a yeah. he's a multiversal player who can he said multiversal a thousand times that night. That's not I a thing. I feel like you can't, I feel you like can't I'm be mono go... versatile, can you? <laughs> no. Well if you <laughs> if, if you're Ron Mercer, maybe. I, I bet he. I, I'm gonna as soon as this is over. I'm gonna instead of working, I'm gonna Google Andy Dolan uh, multi because I gotta <laughs> find out what draft that was. Diversity. That I hope I'm sure it's still in your archive somewhere. That but I bet that was a lottery pick. I bet that was like number six. I bet that well, was like said about everybody. White. Okay, you're saying when okay. did he break it out the first time? Yeah, that's probably no uh, the windage because I didn't notice it when he said. And I'm reading your diary. I'm like yeah, that blankety blank just said multiversal. <laughs> That is, that is a multi on top of a multi on top of a multi. All right. Well, here's a uh-huh. a, a a cursory search of the interwebs brings up, uh, uh Terrence Metcalf is what Rick Pitino would call multiversal. <laughs> Beats the hell out of monoversal. I made. I just stole my <laughs> own joke from. Let's see. What year is this going to be? This is going to be a 20th century joke. I guarantee you. Nope. 2003. Holy cow. Wow! 19 years ago, making the same jokes. That's why the podcast is free, kids. Well, I mean, it's people need to know that that happened, that he said that on TV repeatedly. People need to know that. People need to know that Brian Billick fell asleep in a hammock with a Success is a Choice by Rick Pitino book resting on his belly. I've never seen the scene. I've just had it explained to me by so many people, you and... <clears throat> you know, future uh, guest, Andrew Lawrence. So Patino was just, uh, I'm, I'm surprised he mentioned three. That had to be the first instructional video in the history of basketball videos to even mention a three pointer 
let alone go, you should be taking more of them instead of having your foot on the line. Just, yeah, I mean, it would have been. <laughs> let's see. I played high school basketball from 1987 to 1991. So, three point line came into college basketball in 87, 86, 87. So, uh, he had. I'm sure he probably was. He was a pioneer. He was multiversal when it came to. Uh, <laughs> he probably was. Those kind of references. <laughs> Oh God! Thank God he didn't get Tim Duncan. Like, thank gosh, he didn't. The Tim Duncan just went to some town and stayed in the same place forever, and had a dynasty and was boring and was great and didn't have to deal with Rick Pitino's like pairing him with Keith Van Horn or something or like I'm going to bring the multiversal Tim Thomas in or uh, just. Antoine Walker and Tim Duncan having to play alongside each other because, uh, you know, Rick doesn't want to. It's better to, to, to suit up alongside David Robinson than it was Travis Knight on a seven-year, $21 million contract. But just thank goodness that the that the Boston got screwed out of that one. ML Carr <clears throat> traded, drafted Eric Montrose, signed him to an 11-year deal. Realized that he was terrible one year into that $11 million deal. Traded him to Dallas for the pick that would eventually almost end up getting to uh, to be Tim Duncan. But no, San Antonio snuck in there. I remember doing draft predictions because I was a dork way back. And when the Celtics pick came up, you always just picked like the best available white guy. And I remember guessing, you remember Michael Smith from BYU? Oh, yeah. And I just pulled it out of my ass, and that's (laughs) who they picked. (laughs) I was like, all right, this is easy. This is so Wish I could have bet on that back then. Just ridiculous that, like, even after the ha-ha-ha Boston White thing happened, they would just go out of their way and draft Michael Smith. And it's like, we got a black player? Okay, let's train him for a white guy. We got a black player? And it's like, they weren't being racist. They were just being racist. It was just, why Joe Klein? Why? Why Joe Klein? Why? You saw him play in Sacramento. Why? Why bring him in? Why Jim Paxson? Why are you bringing in all the people that Larry Bird enjoyed beating and whooping up on? Because he always liked going after white guys. Oh, Red. Yeah, the 89 draft. They had two picks. Dan Volk. They had two picks. uh, The 13th of the 40th. Michael Smith and Dino Raja. Oh, Dino. Okay. It's, uh, you know, they got a type. (laughs) That is hilarious. Like, 92, uh, they took John Barry. Uh, 93, they took A.C. Earl, and they thought they thought he was white, and he showed up. Probably. And they were like, oh. Eric Montross and Andre Fetisov in 94. And that pretty much, that was kind of the end. They, oh, Darius Sangaila in 2002, but they it was a second-round pick. They didn't have a first-rounder. And they would have got Van Horn. No way around it. They absolutely would have got Duncan and Van Horn had that lads gone their way. Maybe maybe Van Horn ahead of Duncan just to, you know, just put the pressure on KVH. Just to let him know. Larry Bird's out walking through that door. So I I read um, a biography of 
Steve Kerr. Not an auto. He hasn't written an autobiography yet. Um, by Scott. Is Scott Howard Cooper? Is that his name? It is. Oh, yeah. I a Life. I haven't read it yet. Steve Kerr, A Life. And I, li- I liked Well, I like Steve Kerr, so I wanted to. I, I liked yeah. It. And I didn't. I, I started to notice it about. Actually, what jumped out at me was, as I was reading it, um, because Lute Olson is dead. Scott obviously couldn't interview him, so he's quoting Lute from Lute's biography. Things he would, things he said about Steve Curry. He's putting that in the book. And as I read more and more, I realized nobody's quoted in this book, or <laughs> or very few people are quoted in the book. Now, I did, the book was still good. I enjoyed it. And at the end, when you read the acknowledgments, Steve refused to cooperate with the book and basically told other people not to call Scott back. And he didn't do it out of to be super malicious, other than the fact that clearly Steve is going to write his own book. Yeah. And was basically like, no, you don't get to make money off of me. I'm going to make money off of me. Mm-hmm. So that, but it took me about, I, I, I got about halfway through the book and thought, how come there's no quotation marks in this book? That's an exaggeration. He did talk to some people. He may have even talked to Steve's mom. Oh, I mean, but yeah, it's a, Steve, it, he was just so nice on the phone. So I had to say yes. Yeah. Stevie, I'm sorry. I talked to the, I talked to the writer. It's like when you're flipping around cable channels and you see this. Oh, it's like, oh, cool. They're going to have a documentary on Led Zeppelin I've never seen before. It's a Roxy Music documentary. Okay, and then you watch it and they don't have any of the rights to the music. It's just these these music writers from England that you've never heard of. Yep. Oh, and the thing about Led Zeppelin is they had <laughs> they had the power, but they had the grace. They had the light and the shade. It's like, oh, I'm, I'm not going to hear how many more times am I? I'm, I'm not going to hear from, uh, from uh, Judd Bushler on this one, am I? Drag. I don't remember who the guy... I read the book, The Victory Machine. It was about the Warriors, about the Durant-era Warriors. This mm-hmm. guy from The Athletic wrote it. And I'm glad I got it from the library. <laughs> because it was a pamphlet. <laughs> I went and picked it up and went, where's the rest of it? Why does it feel like he just stapled all of his athletic columns together and sold it what? as a book? I was a little disappointed. It's like, come on, there's so much interesting shit that happened with that team. And you pick up this book and you think you're going to hear it all, and it's all stuff you already knew. And you're like, oh, whatever. You know, it's, it's, they say with history, you got to give it 50 years. So, uh, (laughs) we got to know about the whole, uh, uh, Kevon Looney, uh, uh, (laughs) breakdown. Well, that's, that's for other generations to, to have their way with because, Sometimes you can't just Scott Howard Cooper knows you can't trust primary sources. Sometimes no. they, uh, no. they forget things, they get them wrong. So, uh, I, I'll just have to wait on those warriors that, uh, I mean, they're not any good now that ever since Stephen Curry got into, he's, 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 he's not shooting well, he's not playing well. And, uh, and they don't, him and Clay Thompson clearly don't get along. And, uh, I think it's all over for them. It's all for the book. Yep. That's a darn shame. I mean, Warriors fans had it good for too long. Todd Fuller. <laughs> Get an academic All-American up in here. Name a good academic All-American. Tom Tom McMillan? Len Elmore? I don't I don't know. 
Michael Smith. Michael Smith, probably, yeah. He was a Clipper commentator for years. He replaced Bill Walton, and he was he was not he was not he you know he was Michael Smith. Tall, BYU, <clears throat> squared shoulders. Again, the Bulls could use him. I'd take him in a second. I'm trying to think of some other buyout guys too, but I think it's just Paul Millsap. BJ Brown might still be available, but uh What about those the other big guys that the Bucks used to have? Like uh they, like Paul McKeskey and Larry Kristoviak. Oh, the Bulls tried that one. And uh Jack They already Bucks. started Yeah, Sigma. They already started Andrew Lang before. So they had to I watched a Bulls intro the other day from the 99 season. It was so sad. It was just <laughs> the man in the middle, Andrew Lang, from Seton Hall, Mark Bryant, from Oregon, Brent Berry, uh, and uh, Ron Harper, and uh, oh, Kukoc, Kukoc, who they introduced first for some reason because he just wanted to get out of there so so badly. It was to keep the, it was to preempt the booing. There you go. Better we better start with Tony or. By the time we get to him, it'll be too loud. No oh, one will know what we said. How about Roy Rogers? Roy, yeah, Roy Rogers and uh, and uh, Corey Benjamin, who was uh, wearing a Knicks shirt when he was drafted by the Bulls, <laughs> and uh, made the Sun Sun Times with a picture of him looking like Steve Francis when he was drafted by Vancouver. Except he he had just been drafted by the World Champion Chicago Bulls and looked disappointed. Uh, he wasn't doing like a Cliff Alexander thing where he was going to fake and instead he's like, oh, I know I got drafted by the Bulls. I'd rather go play for the Knicks. I'm going to put that hat on. Like, no, it doesn't work. This is not, no. you, you don't get to pick. I'm sorry. And they got that guy because Ricky Davis's attitude problems were too much, but but uh, the the wannabe Nick was uh, <sighs> I got to get Brent Barry. I gotta, I gotta get Brent Berry for his '99 Bulls book. I gotta be the guy that that just has, you know, brings all that to life. <laughs> Plane rides with Rusty Larue. <laughs> I mean, I know Bill Wennington had a camera, <clears throat> had a video camera that he went around with and taped stuff. And I just that has to be Peter Jackson needs to needs to pull that out and we need to get eight hours of the ninety-nine bulls in a lockout year playing fifty games, scoring more than seventy-five points in some of them. And uh <laughs> Mark Bryant, Roy Rogers, and and Wennington before the Sacramento Kings would outbid the Bulls for his services and, and uh I just, uh, you know, Will Purdue was not back on that team. That's not why he's so sour these days. He, they, but they brought him back the next year so they could make the, the minimum salary floor, which is uh, one of the many seasons in the early aughts where they had to spend money to make the minimum, minimum salary floor, which is why they need to trade I don't care for I don't care this year because everyone's got a broken foot and go win a championship this year and surprise everyone. Who was the? There was a team just a couple of years ago that had to make a late season or like an in season move to get above the get above the floor, and then it as soon as the guys the, the other players found out they got pissed because the way it apparently oh, works yeah. is that if you're under <laughs> if you haven't met the minimum, then you have to write a check an even amount check to all your current players to make up for it. So they're like, oh, I'll figure out what they're going to spend the money on. And then some <laughs> new asshole walks in the locker room like, what's he doing? 
We just signed him. Now we're over. Oh! <sighs> that is him, all true. threw him in the towel bin. That is that is hilarious. I mean, how could you Probably ruin Paul that Shirley. any other they way? Signed, they just signed Paul yeah. Shirley just to come oh, in good. and make the... Hey, I'm 40. That's a bit. We don't care anymore. That's fine. <laughs> just... We just we need a we need a guy. You're a guy. You've been paid more for less. You'll be fine. What a wonderful way to, to make that work for <laughs> just let everyone know that they're gonna be able to, to buy a moped or, <laughs> or a fish tank. It's really or good a, for or team a... morale. It's like, all right, yeah. if we don't sign somebody today, we're gonna have to give all of you assholes sixty thousand dollars. <laughs> good news we signed somebody. <laughs> good news? Thanks. That's great. Yeah, I get don't get a now? boat. And I get two less shots per game. This is fantastic. I, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know who's going to be on the scrap heap for the Bulls. That Millsap, if the fans are wondering, he's he's old, he's old, and he's tiny, but uh, he's he's heady, and he's smart, and he steals the ball. The Bulls love to steal the ball. Uh but ugh, it's it's uh, it's dreary. They were they were relying on a backup shooting guard to be their pivotal defensive force. They're their point guard driven team defensively and now all their point guards have broken things. But they'll be fine because Levine is, is incredible. He just I mean with him with fresh legs is just I know I keep talking about it, but so do coaches. They're just like, oh it's it's really, really hard to just have two guys that can just bowling ball their way into the middle of the lane. Yeah. And uh Ah, just do something. Just do something to make it so they can win a title this year. Because that's a Levine. It, Levine tore his ACL like eight years ago. It's not going to get better. It's not going to get easier. Alex Caruso isn't going to learn how to hit a jump shot. It's 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 now. It's time. Throw it all in. So if they have so, to tr- if they have to trade for a power forward, I mean, I, I'm looking at the roster. I don't even know who you could possibly afford to give up. I mean, could you can you part with Matt Thomas, <laughs> or <laughs> it's like hey guys, there's not we don't have a lot to trade because the guys that have value are the ones we need. So maybe don't get too excited about what might be coming in return in a trade. Yeah, I mean they have they have to trade Derek Jones Jr. for because he's got a big contract. Then it's just like, well, what happens when the guy that they trade for gets his hand caught in someone else's uniform and then tears a ligament and is out for six to eight weeks? And they don't have that. But I don't know. Patrick Williams is a four pick, so he's making a hefty chunk of salary. He's probably making about the minimum. And then between that and Jones and the pick they have for Portland coming in, uh, you know, it's enough to where they don't have to give up uh, Kobe White. Yeah. Because I'm not ready to give up on Kobe White. I don't want more. I don't. I don't need more Carusos. I need. I need guys with with uh, happy eyes that are ready to come in and die for loose balls and and hit open shots. And that's what Kobe does. Uh, but Williams, I can you know. But I'm sure he'll be wonderful someday. But but the Bulls are led by a thirty something year old superstar who was on his third team of being a superstar. So get it done now. It always cracks me up that Alex Caruso went to Texas A&M. Because it doesn't feel like anybody from Texas A&M actually plays in the NBA. But much like Easy Ed McCauley, Alex Caruso 
is from College Station, Texas. And he went to A&M Consolidated High School in College Station, Texas. <laughs> so he had to go to Texas. He had to. No way around it. Oh, God. All the, all the, all the, yeah, yeah, he had to, he had to. Well, we, you had the parking space, Alex. You know, you've had that since your sophomore <laughs> year. So, I mean, I, we just thought that's how they talked down there in AM. I'm still upset at Texas AM for beating Notre Dame 35 to 10 in the Cotton Bowl, uh, Tim Brown's senior year. Yeah, remember so. when the guy stole Tim Brown's towel? <laughs> remember that? So, AM, no. you know, they have that asshole, well, the 12th I was man. seven. They have some, okay. They have some walk on who always plays on the kick coverage team and Tim Brown returning a kickoff. He tackles him. And while he's on the ground, Tim had a towel tied into his belt. He yeah. ripped it off and ran off the field with it. He stole yeah. his towel. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I remember about that cotton. Ball. I think I remember that. I mean, that's the same cotton bowl where Jerry Ewing met up with, uh, with, uh, not, not with Dusty Farlow and, uh, <clears throat> you know, to hash it out. You know, I wonder what's in that spot right now because it really was a parking lot when it was a football stadium. Just an uneven ground of astroturf and and uh, weird sort of. It, ne- it never looked like a pretty place to play football. And between that and the Cowboys Stadium, that was just giant sunny glares at three thirty on a December Sunday, just sunshine forcing its way into a game you don't want to watch because the Cowboys are going to end up winning. Ah, I got a lot of problem with Texas football stadiums. Sounds like it. Yeah, Timmy Brown, Heisman year, 35-10. That was not. That was probably Andy Heck's last game before he became a Seahawk. Did he ever end up with the Bears or was that He did, of course. He did? Old number 66. Yep. He did, okay. And he played for the Bears. He started. He was a tight end at Notre Dame first. They moved him to tackle. Oh, I didn't know that. Future flame. Lou moved everybody around. He uh, Frank Stams, who was the defensive end on the championship team, um, was a fullback when Lou got there. And he still kept number thirty, so it looked weird when he was <laughs> rushing the passer wearing number thirty. This is tailback. I don't care. Favorite football team ever, one of them at least. Uh, you know, Tony Rice in the option. That's that's my kind of that's my kind of ball. So on the on the basketball reference page for Alex Caruso, they've got many nicknames for him. Uh, some of these are clearly just made up. Somebody at Basketball Reference just entertaining themselves. The Bald Mamba, <laughs> Bald Eagle. This one we've heard, Caruso, Goat, AC, White Mamba 2.0. Who's White Mamba 1.0? To Scalabrini was Red Mamba. Who was White Mamba? Was I White Mamba? Yeah, he might have been. And then the accountant. (laughs) Is A&M an accounting school? No, it's. Uh, yeah, I don't think the A in A and M stands for. Pretty sure it's agriculture and mining. I don't think it's accountancy. Accountant and uh, and money. Accountancy and money. Accountant and money. Account. Account the money. Count de Monet from uh, 
history of the world. No, he'll be back. He'll be back in March. It'll be fine. A, a whole month to get it together, <clears throat> to get home court in the first round. And uh, how important? I mean, he really shouldn't be shooting as much as he is anyway. How important is the wrist? No, just not cast at all. He it up. With let it. him play. Yeah, he was stealing the ball with it. He blocked a shot with a broken wrist. Why not? He is not a good shooter, but he is good at throwing his other ninety-six percent of his body in front of people. So just use that. Then again, you got to get the wrist repaired in time to come and lay out Grayson Allen with one punch. Well, but that's why leave it cast, cast it. There you go. There yes. You go. yes. Actually, that's how you remove the cast. <laughs> you break it on Grayson Allen's head. Yeah, I think it feels pretty good now. Let's go. Uh, I'm going to admit that the first few times I heard Stacy yell "Io dos trace" when Io made a three-pointer, I didn't know why he was doing it. A little slow on the dose part. Like, what is what? Is, now he's just babbling. Oh, he's babbling. Dosunmu. I guess that's where the dose is from. You really—they need some kind of like glossary for these. They do, they because do. I, you know, some of them. It's they're thinkers. We're halfway through the season. We'll we're, we're figure we're figuring it out. Plus, we got you know it, it'll settle down a bit because he's about to go through that rookie wall. But but God, how did that guy fall in the draft? Six foot five? I had no idea. I don't know anything about college uh, it, sports. It didn't it didn't make any sense. He was the Big Ten Player of the Year. He averaged averaged over twenty points a game. He played point guard. I saw that he averaged like six rebounds a game or yeah. something crazy. Like that that always means good at the NBA. Always. Yeah. And he just kept sliding. And it's like, oh. I mean, Arturis jumped on him like uh, Garpax jumped on anybody from Iowa State. <laughs> it's nice to have an NBA general manager instead of just, well, we know basketball, so we can probably run an NBA team. <laughs> instead of, no, this is how the NBA works. It's different. You don't just get to be good at picking basketball players. You have to have a plan. Picking a bunch of six foot eight guys who are multiversatile. Ah, uh, I wonder what Pax is doing this this year. Uh, he still got an office there. You think he ever goes in it? I mean, did he go in it when he worked there? <laughs> he's in it more now because yeah. he doesn't have to worry about somebody stopping by and asking what the hell he's doing. You've got the Big 12 network at home. <laughs> Fred's about to need another job. So, you know, maybe maybe Pax can hook on with, uh, well, I, mean, I don't know, the Windy City Bulls are going to need a coach, I would think. I mean, they're also trying to win. And they're trying to, they're trying to develop players. And I, I just don't think uh, uh, Hoiberg is... Ah, they just, the Bulls just couldn't, you couldn't take them seriously for a whole five years there. <laughs> it wasn't even like, they, it wasn't like, oh, they brought in a John Fox and it's like, oh, well, this is lame and it's embarrassing, but it's a guy that has done stuff. Yeah. Before. Guy who went, guy who went to and lost two Super Bowls, but at least he went to two Super Bowls. Yes. Or no, they brought coach. in a Fred, super nice guy. Can't wear a tie because he'll die. Yes. That's why it'll be a that'll be the cry for help. If you look over to the Nebraska sidelines and Fred has a tie on, 
<laughs> He's tie. giving up. Oh my god, get it off of him. <laughs> His heart is going to stop. I love that that was like the one limitation he had after the surgery. Yeah, Not diving fine. Uh, you want to go high altitude skiing? We have no problem. With it. Just whatever you do, don't don't put on a tie. Your You'll be dead down within a, a minute. You gotta you gotta go in there and and you know practice is short a few players. They need a few bodies. You gotta roll roll in there, Fred. You do what you gotta do. That's fine. But God forbid you strap on a Windsor knot and this is this is all over for you. We can't have you flying too close to the wings or to the sun on the wings of uh, some. He just, it was the most uncomfortable coach I've ever seen on a sideline in a pro basketball situation. He was just like, he just looked like everyone was watching him while he was working. <laughs> and they weren't because he wasn't doing anything. There was nothing to watch. <clears throat> what is that Minnie Pippen's name? Cameron Bearstow was, I think, that guy from Wake Forest. <clears throat> or maybe that seven-foot guy from... No, that was Luke uh, Schencher. Is that the seven-foot guy from Wake Forest? I can't remember. Bulls need all of them. Each of them. Maybe Robin Lopez could be a buyout. <clears throat> well, let me look, let me look he... up Chandler Hutchinson, see if it says Minnie Pippen under his nickname. Oh, he doesn't have any nicknames. Really? Yeah. Well, I, can you add, can, is it like Wikipedia? Can I submit it? How bad do you have to be a basketball to be named Hutchinson and not be nicknamed Hutch? Like accountants get nicknamed Hutch if they're Hutchinson. That's Hutch. He's competent at what he does. So we're going to call him that. And he was just... Denzel can't even hang on as a replacement player. Listen, the, the PAX years are not. Wendell Carter's wearing Harvey Grant glasses. I don't know if I'd want Wendell Carter back either. I never cared for Wendell. I wanted to care for him, but it was just. So did I. But they'd watch him play and it's like, all right. Push around a bit. Everybody tells me how good he is and I don't see any of it. Ever. Seventh down to 24th in defense. They're fouling too much. I also think that just once the playoffs get better, they're set up for them to play the same team over and over and over again is very good. Instead of having to play Franz Wagner and all these try hard go getters in the NBA schedule. Well, maybe they can petition the league. Said, okay, here's what we'd like to do. We still, it's fine. We're going to play a seven game series, but on the off days, we'd like to play the Magic. <laughs> Just for a tune up. Well, it'd be fine. We need to break it up, get our confidence back, and then it'll be fine. I need you to bring in the Thunder on a train. <laughs> and, because uh, our execution's a little sloppy. All right, so we're, we're going to play the games. We're going to play games one and two in Brooklyn. Then we're flying to Sacramento. <laughs> we'll meet you in Chicago for game three. Uh, Arturis, I don't know that's a great idea. Eh, whatever. You know who made you know who made out really well during the pandemic? Yeah. Uh, the the guy at Fanatics who supplies quarter zips to the coaches. <laughs> I mean, you got to admit they turned the bubble into never having to ever wear a suit again. 
I give, I give a lot of credit to the NBA coaches for that. Because it was always dumb in the first place. And they're just like, nope. It's too dangerous to wear a suit. There's a pan, there, there's a deadly virus. You saw Hoiberg. We could all die. <laughs> That's right. Uh, yeah. And they all look like drips now. Because it's like. Yeah, and they yeah, have I mean, a new, like, like you're, you're like, right. They have a new one for every game, so yeah. someone's making out. I mean, some of the guys can really pull it off, uh, and then there's you know like Tibbs, who looks like um, he's squeezed into whatever they put him in. He, yeah, he doesn't. He didn't look comfortable in a suit, but he looks a lot less comfortable. <laughs> Only Tibbs would look less comfortable casual than he did. Than he did formal. It's like I don't like it. I don't. Can I wear a tie over the quarters? No, you can't. Oh shit what he's most <clears throat> comfortable doing too is being in a basketball outfit barking orders this should be him at his most i mean this should be what they bury him in and yet he's it looks like it's you know bursting around him so if if frank laden were coaching today what oh, would he God. he'd be wearing like a bathrobe on the, <laughs> the sidelines he's got his pajamas on and a bathrobe and he's like all right this is great i've never felt better <laughs> Coach, you gotta put pants on. He looked awfully comfortable in those suits, though. You know, blue blazer. He, you know, they 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 have big and tall shops in in Brooklyn. He he, he uh, God, what would he have done? He would have quit. He would have quit. <laughs> it's like Jerry Sloan. You take over. December '88, Jerry Sloan. The day he unloosened his tie and took over the Jazz. Yeah, Jerry would Jerry would still be wearing a suit, but he would but also the John Deere hat with the suit. That's to show he's casual now. Yeah, what would those guys have even worn? That'd just be it. Would be <clears throat> here, here, Larry Bird. Here's your here's your cool here, Paul Silas. Put put on your sweatsuit. Let's. <laughs> The, the best is to watch like '80s, '80s and early '90s NFL games. You know, NFL Network will be showing like you know Cowboys Niners, and there's Jimmy Johnson in a starter jacket. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's great. That's great. <laughs> Got my team approved turtleneck with the with the logo on it sticking out, and and yeah, they look like they look like. Uh, Advertisements in Sports Illustrated. When uh, when Mike Nolan was coaching the Niners, his dad Dick had coached in the NFL, and he wanted to honor him by wearing a suit because da- his dad always wore a suit. Okay. And the NFL told him he couldn't. He couldn't wear a suit on the sidelines. They said, "No, no, no. We have a we have a deal. We have an apparel deal, and you have to wear that because that'll help sell it." And Mike's like, "Who's buying clothes Who's buying? because I'm wearing?" <laughs> Ooh, you know what I'm gonna get? I'm gonna get that sweatshirt that Mike oh, Nolan is wearing. That's cool. God. He eventually had to work out some kind of deal where Reebok made a suit, and it had to wear, and he got to wear it, and he had to wear like a lapel pin with the Reebok you logo. Gotta be kidding just, me! Oh my god! It's the most ridiculous thing ever. And everyone went out and bought Reebok lapel pins because they I did, yeah. could could not be seen at the office the next day without a Reebok lapel pin. Yeah, see this, huh? I got the I got the Mike I got the Mike Nolan pin. Woo! <laughs> oh, that's great. That is nuts. 
I didn't know it was a thing. I didn't know you couldn't pull you couldn't pull that off. I wonder. I wonder if someone tries the Connie Mac. If 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 the uh, man Fredfield will get in the way of that one. The uh, when you know the the NFL will do a thing. I don't know if it's it's not a whole month. Maybe it's a whole month. I think it's a couple of weeks where they they wear the camo. The coaches wear the camouflage stuff on the yeah, sidelines. Yeah, yeah. And Bill Belichick won't wear it. And so he got asked about it in a press conference. And they're like, do you get fired? I don't care. And he's like, I actually, dad worked at the Naval Academy. I've been around actual service people. He goes, me dressing like a duck hunter on the sidelines isn't (laughs) honoring them. (laughs) And I was like, that's pretty good. I I agree with you there, Bill. No, instead he classes it up by just cutting cutting his sweatshirts off at the elbows. Looking like something Lars Ulrich would wear in a in a studio in nineteen ninety one. I want uh, Bill next year to go full Jennifer Beals and just cut the hood off and don't wear a shirt under it. Just have it hanging off there. And then if they win if they win the say the AFC East, he can like lean back on the bench and they'll just dump the Gatorade from above. Yes. And we will all be have that 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 pivotal moments in our own, uh, 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 you know. Just we're gonna ruin that now. <laughs> There'd be some junior high kids who puberty stops. It just it goes backwards. <laughs> seeing that, <laughs> like, oh no, oh no, I have weird feelings now. Maniac, oh, oh, that that would be that would be. Uh, I just I can't. I I, I saw the Patriots once when they were bad and it was the year that the, the NFL did the throwback uniforms and uh, it was like the second or third week of the season. And they made the Patriots put on the helmets that the Patriots had like recently changed their helmets. to like the silvery, like updated logo and gotten rid of the, uh, the old school white helmet with the, with the minute man on the front yeah, Pat, and the three Pat, point stance. Pat, Pat, okay. They had to go back to Pat, like <laughs> three games after getting rid of Pat. <laughs> They're like, no, no, you're retro now. We need your last helmet. <laughs> Bring him in. So I got to see a Bengal Patriot game with David Klingler at quarterback, and Bengals wearing helmets with Bengal stickers on them, and the Patriots throwback uniforms from from two months ago. <laughs> uh, and now they're like, you know, the, the the standard for football excellence. It's it's been an odd run. <laughs> Yeah, I remember when they announced they were going to do throwback uniforms thing. What are the Bears going to do? Take the orange out of the C <laughs> on the helmets? Because they don't change. Yeah. I had to go back to the those weird ones that had, um, like, that pattern on the front, like a big V, like big, increasingly larger orange Vs on the front. And they yes. wore, like, khaki pants. <laughs> That's very weird. And then they finally they dug up the they have the white ones now that are from like the forties, which are really cool looking. And they even have the Wicked Witch of the West socks. Um, except they immediately had to apologize because they went back to a uniform that the team wore back when um, African Americans were banned from playing. Oh, the that's right. That's... <laughs> showed off the uniforms. They went, "Those are cool." Yeah. And then, like, okay, well, now we have to say we're sorry. About we're going to wear them anyway, but we're sorry. Uh... We're gonna put on uh, Patriot Pat instead, and uh, that's what they should do. They should just wear some other team's uniforms. That's what Hallis would have done. Well, that's how you got the ones they have. They're old. U, I, they're old U of I uniforms. Yeah, I, 
guys, I got a deal. <laughs> Luck, I'm going to ask for a raise, so we're all wearing inside-out uniforms from the, the Fort Wayne Federals or something. Yeah. Hey, your pants don't fit? Well, take it up with Sid. He's got all the money. <laughs> He's the one who's got enough for a car. Entire automobile. I think I told the story on the, remember this crap, but um, that one year the Cowboys played the, the Packers played in Dallas in the championship game and the NFL brought out, it must've been like the, I don't know, some anniversary, 75th maybe. And they brought out some hall of famers to come out for the coin toss. And one of them was Sid and Sid actually had his bears 42 Jersey on. Not, they didn't make the poor 80 year old guy wear the pads and everything, but he had the Jersey on. And he gets out to the thing, and apparently he thought he was going to do the coin toss. So he got in his head that they're going to hand Sid the coin, and he's going to toss it. And instead, the ref tossed it, and Brett Favre was out there, and Favre was telling the story. He's like, you've never seen an 80-year-old that pissed. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, I thought he was going to go after the ref and to grab him. I'm like, hey, Sid, great to see you. Sid, that kind of brightened Sid. Sid got recognized, so he felt okay, but... uh, that was really funny that Sid was about to take a swing at the ref because he didn't let him toss the coin. I mean, how many other quarterbacks from whenever the heck Sid Luckman played still get brought up as much like the, the, the top rated passer in each of his years doesn't get brought up half as much as Sid Luckman because him and Johnny Morris are still pacing the bears. Yeah. This coin represents more than Alice ever played me. And I finally <laughs> yeah, get to have that's why like, one of them in my hand. And you're this, that's this. why he wanted the coin. He's like, Alice owes me this. <laughs> Zebra is going to take it away from me. That's great. <sighs> Bulls used to do that with Bob Love coming out. They're just random. Uh, bring Tom Borwinkle up to do a ceremonial first, first basket, their first uh, jump ball, but. I mean, uh, then again, these are two things that no one likes. No one likes jump balls. No one likes coin flips, especially after Sunday. Yep. Like no one, no one cares. If no one, no one has ever thrown a jump ball that's that's good. You know, at least first pitches are fun. You know, you can see if the pitcher that only retired like four years earlier is going to do it from the mound, or if he's going to step up a few feet. That's always fun. Like, come on, Eckersley, you were still pitching in 98. You can you can get on the mound. Yeah, it's that video. I don't know what year it is. But Nolan Ryan throwing out the first pitch. And he, throw, he throws it 85 miles an hour. <laughs> awesome. Catcher's like almost handcuffs the catcher. He's like, holy shit. Like, well, yeah, he's still kind of good. He's, you know, with a lot of ways was like better at age 48 and 1990. Yeah, he couldn't throw a strike until he's 40s. Yeah, exactly. I'm just getting the hang of this, guys, now. Do you mind if I just beat up on Robin Ventura a little bit? Oh, that was... Yeah, he was... Yeah, he shouldn't have retired. He really really shouldn't have retired. You're right, though. The ceremonial coin toss is weird. But how about this? How about an overtime in the playoffs? You, You don't have the ref do it. You bring out a celebrity to do the coin toss in overtime. It would be a perfect moment for, like, Carrot Top to come out with a coin, like, attached to a rubber band. 
and uh-huh. he throws it out and snaps it back real fast. I, I think Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes would have really appreciated that. Hilarious. Yes. Because, you know, what better chance to laugh at things than while you're in a tie? You're not a, you're not ahead and you're not worried. You're not behind. Yeah, you're, it's a tie. Season, season hanging in the balance. But it's a tie. It's like the first day of spring training. It's, you know, everything is possible. So that's the perfect time to care top to come in and do a joy buzzer handshake. And, and uh, yeah, that's, that's good. We need that. We need that. And we need four point field goals in the NFL. I've decided it's, it's time to mix this up. I'm the, the, these coaches just got the hang of the two pointers and I'm sick of it. I just want to blow it all up. I'm going to need some 56 yarders for four, four points, change the math, blow it all up. Yeah, That's could, what I'm yeah, saying. You, you could rock and jack it. I think like a four point field goal, I think instead of just being extra far, it should be from like a horrible angle. It should be like <laughs> like the kicker is basically out of bounds when he starts his approach and has to kick yeah. it from like the from basically the sideline and see if he can curl yeah. one in. Like a it's like a corner kick in soccer, except now they've got to he had to kick it through a big yellow Y instead. Because anyone can go from straight. I mean, the the Robbie Gold kicking it over the uh, the Packers when they were coming out before the game the other day. Yeah, you know, that that's good. that's straight. Ahead. That was great, but it was straight ahead. Yeah, anybody. Can, so get it from the side. Oh yeah, that's where it's at. Then you're really throwing some grass in the air and then seeing where the wind's going. And you're, you're yeah, I like that. I like that. We need to make kickers more integral part of NFL games. I've yeah, decided. So I think how exciting it would be. The kicker comes out, the coach goes over, tells the ref, "We're going for four. We're going to kick it from the sidelines," and everything tilts on its axis, <laughs> and they try to kick one from there. I think it's a great. I'm going to write that down. Oh, that's fantastic. Just various places for more to kick the ball around the world style. I bet if they, Damn, find a, yeah. if they find a sponsor, they'll do it. Oh, absolutely. And then enough of this this worry, this dread that you're you're watching the NFL games like you have your entire life, and it's all threes and fours and sevens, and all of a sudden it's something new, something ah, I like it, I like it. All right, Kelly, I think we've we've hit on all the topics that we plan to talk about which we didn't plan to talk about any so it was perfect we didn't plan to talk about any but i hope the bulls plan to talk about all of them i mean what i say patrick williams can be a hall of famer i don't care give him up for anyone who can walk and chew gum at the same time and play basketball because patrick williams can't do that right now well, i doubt let him play basketball i doubt our tourists listen to this podcast but i guarantee he's assigned mark eversley listen to it so you got the ear of the guy you got the you got the ear of the guy who has the ear of the guy. And this will all happen now. Well, what if, I don't know, just mislabel it. And what if he, he listens to the Huey podcasts and he, you know, you spin the <laughs> wheel and it ends up on the, uh, the 86 Cubs. And then you talk about, you know, back to Eckersley again. And, and it, 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 so he's trying to catch up on a Chicago history and he stumbles into this one. And uh, there we go. Suddenly we have uh, Harvey Grant's kid playing for the Bulls. Yeah. Yeah, the 86 Cubs, is that'll be 20 minutes just about Ed Lynch getting beat up in a fight and then getting traded to the Cubs and having to play with all the guys he was in the fight with. <laughs> I feel like his general manager regime was just him getting revenge on the team. God. So why do you want this job, Ed? I hate you, motherfuckers, and I'm going to trade away any good player you have. That sounds good to us. All right. I got traded to you, and I missed out on... <laughs> 
I played for the Mets for 15 years, and I got traded two months before the World Series. So screw you. <laughs> was Sarge in that fight? Was Gary Matthews in that fight? I'm sure he was. If he wasn't, his helmet came flying <laughs> off and was in the fight. <sighs> this is pre-Lester Lancaster. This is before he made his uh, spring training move in 87. Who else would have been in that fight? 86 was rough. Yeah, 86 Cubs, you would have had uh, Shawan Dunstan would have been in that fight. Uh, the Bull was probably still around. Leon Durham. Oh, that's right. Oh, this is still Smith, and uh, this is pre-Nipper and pre-Shiraldi. So Smith is in there. Yep. Oh, yeah, no, Lee was asleep in the bullpen. <laughs> he didn't even, <laughs> didn't even right, know what God. happened. That's right. The guys all walked by, and he's like, what, do we have a rain delay? He's like, no, we just had a fight. Oh. Listen, do you do you want me to go up three up three up down or do you want me to, to to be awake for the sixth inning? Because you only get one. You only get one. Oh god. Eighty six Cubs, would that have been was that uh was that the end have of Larry guys, Boa? Or was that uh I don't know because you guys haven't done it yet, I guess. No. Larry's uh I did I think I know we talked about this. If we talk about Larry Boa, I have to talk about uh so I think it was eighty five. His eighty five I think was Larry's last year with the Cubs. Because Sean was there, and it was like, right, go away, you suck. Yeah. Um, Super old. Yeah, 85. He hit a robust, uh, uh, well, he hit 246 for the Cubs, got traded to the Mets, hit 105. boy. Um, at some point, Larry started wearing glasses while he was batting. And Harry was, oh, Harry was so excited about this. He's like, oh, just think, I'll bet, the, I'll bet it looks like a beach ball up there to it. <laughs> well, he can't hit a beach ball either. No. That's what we just learned, Harry. <laughs> so five foot nine. Uh, yeah. Did you uh, see yeah, the, uh, the video going around the, uh, the Twitters uh, a couple of days ago of the White Sox game when Harry and um, – uh, Jimmy Pearsall, we're doing the broadcast, and the the inflatable doll gets thrown on the field. No, <laughs> they were very excited about that. They it took Harry a minute to figure out what it was, and once he did, oh, he oh sure they did. thought that was great. <laughs> yeah. Oh God, because because Harry pre you know pre eighty seven was was just the horny. <laughs> it's just anything in a tank top in Wrigley Field's. Uh, you know, especially the right field, you know, the bleachers with money. Uh, oh, my God. He was just, okay, Harry. Oh, God, let's just, Arnie, Arnie, what are you doing? Arnie, new shot. Yeah. Oh, Baseball those player two. shot. He kisses, <laughs> he kisses her on the strikes, and she kisses him on the balls. On the balls. I watched Harry talk with Mike Marshall on a, on a pregame YouTube clip recently, and then just watching Mike Marshall explain what was going to happen in the 1980-81 strike. And uh, Harry was, uh, you know, Harry was engaged. Harry was good. Harry was trying to come from both sides, trying to see it for both sides. And uh, I, I enjoyed that. I enjoyed <laughs> A blow-up doll. Oh, my God. A south side blow-up doll. Yeah. <clears throat> I'm not going to say anything more before they, oh, that's, that's, wow. <laughs> I'm going to go chase that down. So is Harry. You know, I got a road trip coming up. I need some, <laughs> I need some company out in Kansas City. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. At least, God, uh, 
they didn't do the thing. You know, a lot of times, like, a beach ball will come out of the stands or whatever, and then the player will pop it with his cleats. Like it, yeah. <laughs> they didn't do that to the doll. No. The doll made it no. into the into the uh, bullpen. <laughs> <laughs> Intact. Yes. Claudel Washington wanted to have a <laughs> buyer a drink. Yeah, good thing David Cohn wasn't pitching for the... Oh, God. <clears throat> The only remarkable, non-boring thing this guy ever does in his career, and it's that. <laughs> like, uh, he was just kind of around for 20 years, and oh yeah, he Louis C.K.'d in a bullpen once. Why? Well, he's the new he's the new uh, analyst on Sunday Night Baseball. I'm sure he'll talk about that every week. Oh God! Oh, David Cohn. He's so boring. Why? Why? That guy should not have been a Mets. Uh, I didn't know Larry Bow ended up on the Mets. That that that's 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 fantastic to me. Trying to have it, him and Hernandez on the hot corners for one last year before everyone decides that they've had enough Larry Boa for this decade. Really shouldn't have made it past 1980, but oh, I shouldn't say that. A lot of Cubs fans listening, I'm sure he was fine. Oh, he didn't get traded. He the the Cubs released him on August 13th, and seven days later, the Mets were like, "Eh, fine, you can go play for us." I guess we need somebody. Might as well be you. With the, that's I think I always thought was funny. You know, when Larry was a manager, he was like this tough guy manager. Yes. And it's like, Larry, I remember watching you play. You weighed 104 pounds. Your bat was bigger than you. You couldn't throw the ball. You couldn't throw the ball from short to first without six hops. Who is afraid of you? (laughs) Bucky Dent had range compared to that guy. You know, at least Bucky Dent had the good sense to lighten up his bat a little bit with through however means necessary. Yeah, Larry Bow was a was a stump. Was it was a skinny stump that <laughs> I don't know, just immediately became a manager eighteen months after uh, his playing career ended. It's like, yeah, this guy has to be this guy he's he's obviously got some some anger popping up. Let's let's put him in Philadelphia. I can't remember. Was he on? Yeah, he was on the using the Pete Rose teams. Oh, well, yeah. that yeah, that was that's you know that that should be another uh, Adam be. McKay, Will Ferrell yeah. movie coming out with Tug McGraw and stuff. That that that'd be a fun team to talk about. But it won't be because it's Philly and no one cares about Philadelphia. They only care about Magic Johnson and and uh, Jer- and Jerry Buss, Doctor Jerry Buss. God knows how he got. I probably got the doctor the same way uh, Bill Cosby did. Larry was an all-star five times. Oh, my God. No way. How many seasons of of a league average OPS do you think Larry Boa had in 16 years? So how many times was he league replacement? He was league average or better. How many times in 16 years? I bet he got over – I don't even know what average is, but I bet he got over 800, 800 OPS once. Twice. Okay, so OPS plus, you know, 100 is, a, is average. He never. 100 is average. He never. He was 0 for 16. And his highest OPS ever was ni- 1975. He hit 305 with a 334 on base and a 330, 377. So like 7'11 was his highest oh, OPS ever. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh. Well, and he was. He finished. Well, 
He, it was an all-star, and he finished 22nd in MVP voting. He won a gold yes. glove in 1978 because apparently uh, everybody else got hurt. Oh, Ooh, that God. year he slugged 370. He really got into it. He hit, he hit three homers. That's that's legging off some uh, some inside the park homers hit, in, in the Larry veteran Bowen, stadium. Larry Bowen hit 15 home runs in 16 seasons. Wow. Yeah, that sounds about right. It was Dwayne Kuyper with slightly better power. <laughs> <laughs> Dwayne was always jealous. That Larry could really rip the ball. He had 14 and more than I did. And a far worse attitude than Dwayne Kuyper. Far, Dwayne far is, worse. Dwayne is the greatest. He really is. And Larry, ah, he's fine. He's fine. Oh, 7 <laughs> You know, I, okay. You know, all those stadiums back then looked like the, you know, Cleveland Municipal so I, it, you know, it kind of makes sense. They're po- poorly lit, and and uh, you know, 162 games a year in <clears throat> Kansas City hotel. Yeah, okay. So I, I, I can I can let that go. But five All Star teams for Larry Boa is insane. That's nuts. I didn't see you spouting that out. Yeah. Ugh, I hated Larry Boa. I still do. I think. All right, Kelly. Well, uh, thanks for coming on. This was a lot of fun. Yeah, man. And, uh, I'm, I'm glad to warm people up for the 86 uh, Cubs. We'll get people going on that. Hopefully that lends some karma to the wheel next time. Yeah, I asked Mike if he wants to come on. If we're going to remember this crap, uh, our favorite work stoppages. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. We also talked about doing one on the uh, – the lowest points in Bears history. <laughs> we compare and see if we're close now. But uh, no, we're got a new GM today, and everything's going to be great. Yes, yes, it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. Another thirty-six-year-old named Ryan. This time, it's going to be different. All they have to do is hire a coach past the hour of the day that Bill Polian is up. We just catch him snoozing and hire a guy that. That's fantastic. It's not a low point. I'm glad to hear that from you. So it's not a low point right now because it, it it feels like one. The low point was going to be we were worried that they weren't going to fire everybody. That's we were going to have to do the podcast. <laughs> they were running everybody back. It's 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 good. It's good that they're you know. <laughs> I'm sorry. Wearing a bulls or a bear's jacket and jeans to go pick up. GM in the airport in an era with, like, it, for all I know, it was Jarrett Payton that 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 photographed him there. I mean, it's like <laughs> everyone has cell phone cameras now, yeah. and you're just like wearing Sid Luckman's jersey to go pick up your next GM from the. But that's okay. That's okay. That's okay. Well, and somebody found a picture from him, like working the crowd at a tailgate, like twelve years ago. With the same jacket. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> it's like, well, of course. Yeah. Of course he still has the yeah. same one. Yeah. I've had a jacket since the 90s. I, I mean, it's, you know, I'm, I'm okay with that. Especially if it's free swag. Yeah. <laughs> Your mom gave it to you. She owns the team. She gets free jackets. Hey. I got this for me. Merry Christmas, George. <laughs> Mike said it was too small. So you can have it. <laughs> Thanks, Mom. Uh, 
You don't get to pick your owners, apparently. No. Which is a problem. Or anything to do with the Bears at all, apparently. We didn't get we didn't get to pick our our earrings bears correspondent named hub we would have picked a different hub we didn't get to pick our you know like usually when it's harbaugh versus tom zach there's one guy you want to root for we didn't get to pick any of those they were just both bummers there's not a lot of uh uh uh, (laughs) we haven't been in charge of these bears they'd be in arlington heights if we were there was a uh, a great stat though on good morning football this morning that included an 84 bear and it was, you know, uh, Joe Burrow was sacked nine times on Saturday. The oh, Bengals won. They listed all of the quarterbacks who had been sacked at least eight times in a playoff game. Only two of the guys won. Uh, Donovan McNabb also won a game in 2003. He was sacked eight times. Steve Fuller made the list. Got sacked eight times in the NFC Championship game against the 49ers. Oh, <laughs> like, oh, hey, I remember that game. Yeah. Woo. The game he almost died to drag his broken leg up on later in the Park West stage and sing a song for the Super Bowl. Yep. <laughs> they sacked him. He, he was he was Larry Boa was better put together than Steve Fuller. How did he survive that? Well, I mean, it was because. Stellar Dick offering in the playoffs. You know, I mean, I mean, I know they weren't supposed to win in '84, but still. Uh, you know, we've talked about it. Mike and I have talked about this before. That there is this, <clears throat> there's this image of the Bears being cheap, and of course now they're really not. I mean, they they know how to waste money with the best of them, but yeah. they really were super cheap for a very long time because their fortune is from the football team. They don't, they're not like Jerry Jones. They don't own a bunch of oil wells that fund the football team. So they were basically limping along year to year. And then all of a sudden the TV contracts kicked in and there was so much money that now they can act like they don't have, but so I kind of wonder if the reason they got, they got Steve Fuller to back up Jim McMahon is that like they wouldn't, if when one of them got out of traction and they need to put the other one in, they're the same size. They wouldn't have to adjust (laughs) anything. (laughs) <laughs> this will save us this will save us like 250 bucks oh, that, oh, that let's, explains. Do let's do it let's do it is it Avellini or Evans that was still around until like 85 or something like that explains that too Just, oh, yeah. Bob uh, Avellini was around forever haunting oh my, my haunting my so the Seattle game yeah oh god but you know it'll be better now <clears throat> that makes sense Steve Walsh and Eric Kramer were the same size Peter Tom and uh, Moses Moreno. I know they were eight years apart, Bears fans. I know. Peter Tom Wilson, Will Fuhrer. No, that was those. That was talent. Fuhrer. Oh God. <laughs> He'd be a big that. Will Fuller or uh, Will Fuhrer would be huge right now with a certain segment of America. He'd <laughs> <laughs> be able to see a lot of his jerseys at at uh, one. One particular guy's rallies. A lot of a lot of Peter Tom Willis is out there enjoying Will Fuhrer. <laughs> All right, we're really. I don't go even know if they would. 
Okay. I, I can't believe Steve Forbes exact eight times in that game. I'm going up on YouTube and, and looking it up as soon as, as soon as we're done here. Thanks for having me on, Andy. Well, thanks for being on. It was a lot of fun. I agree. Take care, everybody. Many of us have herpes. 